Well, hey, hey there, happy innovators. How y'all doing, huh? You having a good week? Getting ready for your weekend? You gonna have some fun? I hope so. So what did you think of that last podcast? You know, the tail end of it with that Thumper Incorporated song I played? It's pretty weird, huh? It's really weird for me to listen to it now, you know, and especially on vinyl. You know, it's such a strange thing to remember, you know, like, that's right. I did that, didn't I? I made a record, actual vinyl record. You know, my wife and I have talked about it, you know, doing the same kind of thing for Pipe Choir. So, you know, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe somewhere down the line, you know, I'll pick a couple songs, maybe four songs of mine and, you know, shorter ones, obviously, and release them on 7-inch, like a collectible kind of thing, you know, maybe get in the vinyl game a little bit. Which, you know, leads me to the question, I guess, you know, I could ask you guys, whoever is listening to this podcast, if I were to make a Pipe Choir 7-inch on vinyl, you know, collectible record of Pipe Choir, uh, what songs would you pick? If you could pick four songs from Pipe Choir to be on vinyl, what four songs would you pick? You can leave your answers down in the comment section if you want. And uh, most of you probably won't. That's okay. I understand. The majority of people really just want to listen. They don't want to participate or comment or anything like that. And I understand that. So no big deal. Anyway, um, I can't believe what's going on in Ottawa, Canada. I'm sure by now most of you are familiar with what I'm talking about. If you're not, (laughs) you're probably living under a rock, man. It's like, it is just outrageous, you know, what's going on there with these trucker protests. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, it's a little bit encouraging, you know, to see people, you know, feeling that strongly and actually, you know, um, not just protesting, but protesting in the proper way, you know, where it's not violent, it's not trouble, you know, it's not burning down buildings and stuff like that. It's just people that are trying to get their voices heard and, you know, they're fed up with something. And in this case, you know, I think it's COVID. The truck drivers and the the people that have suffered under the yoke of these mandates uh, for vaccinations and for masks and things like that, they are demanding that their voices be heard. That's really all they want. And oh man, it's just turned into such a thing, you know, and now their prime minister is doing this and that and oh, it's craziness. But, you know, it is kind of cool. I, I, you know, when I think about Canada, of course, I, I guess I have all the basic stereotypes in my mind that most Americans have about, you know, the Canadians are very polite and, you know, kind of mild-mannered, you know. And uh, I guess, you know, from my personal experience, and I've had some actually uh, dealing with Canada, I've been up there quite a bit. Uh, I used to be in a band, as you all know, uh, called Slow Bob. That was the name of the band. And we toured a lot um, for an unsigned band, you know, a band that was doing their own thing. You know, we did manage to travel quite a bit. And a lot of that travel was up into Canada. And um, 
you know, cities like uh, Windsor, Ontario, and uh, the Detroit area, you know, going across the Ambassador Bridge and all that stuff. I've done that, you know, and um, we used to play Windsor a lot, I remember. And one thing I can tell you about Windsor, Ontario, just from my personal experience, okay, other than the fact that one of my favorite bands is from there, a band called The Tea Party, they're <laughs> definitely in my top 10 list of, you know, favorite bands or something. Uh, they're just awesome. If you haven't heard The Tea Party, the band, three-piece band from Windsor, Ontario, if you have not heard of them or you have not heard their music, I highly recommend that you check them out. They are awesome. Okay, and uh, let's see, they have a record called uh, Transmission. I think that was the one that really, I mean, it is like pedal to the metal. It is awesome. Awesome. Kind of like a cross between Led Zeppelin and The Doors, you know, but with a modern twist and modern production techniques. I mean, it's just phenomenal music. You've probably heard of them. Anyway, um, other than the Tea Party, um, the women in Windsor, Ontario, okay, for some reason, I don't know what's going on there, but they were absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was like enough for me to remember it like this many years later, like 20 or 30 years later, you know, it's crazy to think about. It was just like every single girl that we saw in Windsor, Ontario, that was at the club or wherever we went. I might have talked about this actually in a previous podcast. I don't remember which one, but oh my gosh, they were gorgeous. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, Two cities like that that I've been to in my lifetime. Uh, Windsor, Ontario, obviously, and Austin, Texas. When I went to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest, it was like stunning. I mean, the women were just beautiful. I couldn't believe it. Like every single girl, every single woman that we saw was just beautiful. So that's what I remember about Windsor, Ontario. Crazy crowds that were really polite and, you know, hospitable and welcoming to us and the beautiful girls that they had there. I don't know what's in the water or what. I don't know what they're doing. But, oh my gosh, I, you know, it stands out all these years later. Maybe it's changed. I don't know. I don't think so, though. But, uh, yeah, this, the craziness with the truckers, huh? It's something that's really kind of maybe unprecedented. Nothing like that's ever really been done like that on that scale before, as far as I can remember. So... I thought that was kind of cool. Something worth talking about. And I also wanted to talk today about, you know, this this show that came out back in the late 90s. Uh, It was called The West Wing. I've talked about it before in podcasts previous to this, you know, and just um, it's one of those TV shows that my wife and I both have binged watched so much that it's like, you know, we know the whole series by heart. You know, it's like I have watched every single episode of The West Wing so many times 
that I practically have it memorized. And it's been a while since we watched it, you know, maybe a couple years. Like we, we just burned out, you know, like you can only watch a show probably like, you know, 500 times before you're like, okay, I need to like change the record. I need to watch something else. But it was one of those shows where, you know, we would start with the first episode and we would watch it all the way to the series conclusion, you know, the final episode. And like once we got on that rail, we didn't get off until the show was over kind of thing. And um, that show, uh, just as much or maybe more than any other show that I can think of, you know, has kind of just always had the ability to resonate with me um, no matter when I decide to watch it. Like, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's not going on in my life, no matter where I am or who I'm with or whatever, that show, you know, just, it, you know, every time I watch it, it's kind of like coming back to me like fresh. You know, I, I get like a new perspective, you know, and it's always like one of these really profound kind of things. It's never really like small, you know, um, it probably doesn't make much sense to people who are listening to this podcast, but I'll try to explain it all as best I can, because the show, The West Wing, written by Aaron Sorkin, who's like one of the greatest you know, writers of all time. I mean, this guy is so good at writing. And trust me, you know, being somebody who's, you know, literally memorized, you know, the entire series of The West Wing, <laughs> okay, he is a great writer, okay, and really next level. And the premise of the show is like the story of really basically this president, Jed Bartlett. Okay, a fictional character, a Democrat who has been elected. He's from New England, you know, New Hampshire, uh, which I can relate to. You know, I, I know quite a bit about New Hampshire now, you know, living so close to it and everything. And um, I can appreciate that, you know, that kind of character that they're trying to portray. Um, and even though he's a Democratic president, you know, being portrayed in the series, it's not really about him being like a Democrat, okay? It's really about him being an American. And he happens to be Democrat, he happens to be president, but he's a very conservative Democrat. So, you know, a lot of his points of view, um, a lot of his opinions and things that are portrayed in the show through this writing, you know, and these characters is really kind of neutral, you know, and for somebody like me who, you know, used to be a staunch Democrat when I was younger, I uh, kind of drifted more towards the middle now. So I would consider myself like libertarian, you know, I'm not really Republican and I'm not really Democrat, but I can appreciate, okay, the sentiment of this show. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, yes, it's fiction. Yes, it's not real. And sometimes, often, it's not very realistic. Okay? A lot of the time on this show, it's like idealized. It's like, you know, 
like I always say to my wife, that show is so good, okay? But it's not really true, but it's like what we wish the world was like. It's a portrayal of an attitude and a world, especially a political world, okay, that we wish existed, okay? And we are willing to do our part to try to usher that kind of thing into the world, you know, especially into American politics. And, you know, maybe just like a week ago, you know, my wife decided that she wanted to start watching the series again. You know, and like I said to you earlier, it's like we put the first one on, the first episode, and we go all the way through. I think it's like seven seasons, you know, and it's a lot of stuff. But I guarantee you that if you take the time, you can get past some of the talking and stuff that's a little bit monotonous at first to most people, if you can really sit down and absorb not just the the humor and the characters and things like that and the set design and the lighting and the music and the themes that come with each episode but it's like the minutia you know like in the, in the deeper message that's behind that kind of show you know i can't talk about it enough I won't talk about it too much. At least I'll try not to. But I was watching the show again for the first time, like I said, in like a while. It's been a while. And so, you know, it came back to me. The first episode starts. And, oh, yeah, I remember this. Oh, this is great. Oh, this scene is great. Oh, totally. Oh, it's so funny. Oh, my God. You know, all these things, you know. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk about this in the podcast next time. Not because of the politics necessarily, but more about that idea of, you know, something that is idealized, like the desire... Oh, how would I say it? Okay, like the inner desire I have for that kind of world. You know, they say... They say art imitates life and life imitates art you know vice versa and I would say that's true I would say a lot of the times that's true Uh, and in this case with this show The West Wing um, you know watching it now okay watching it now through the lens of the past you know maybe three years of American politics. You know, I realized more now watching the show this time. Okay. With fresh eyes, you know, it's coming, it's coming into my, my brain again. You know, it's, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm absorbing it one more time. Right. But like I said, each time it's like a little bit different and I get a slightly different message each time. And this time, I got to tell you, I feel almost a sense of sadness, okay, because of how far away we have come from that kind of spirit in America, you know, like the Democratic Party that I 
used to love has drifted so far away from the ideas that are portrayed on this show about a democratic president. And it's a very democratic themed story. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, it is, you know, and that's okay. Cause I, I, I don't mind that, you know, like I don't mind that someone has a different point of view. That's never bothered me. In fact, I mean, who the hell wants to hang out or, you know, pay attention to people that only agree with you? It's stupid. Like, it's so pleasant, I guess, to a certain degree, but kind of a waste of time. You know, it's it's good to hear different opinions. It's good to see and, and kind of empathize with different points of view. And this show, this TV show, this fictional, you know, whatever you want to call it, Okay, this metaphor for reality, you know, uh, is so powerful sometimes. And the messages that are being sent through this dialogue that they're having on the show. I mean, it's just a show, but, you know, there's some truth in there. There's some things to think about. I highly, highly recommend to all my happy innovators, man, you know, if you have the time and the inclination, like sit down with some of those shows, some of those episodes of the West Wing and watch them, you know, and really kind of get to the meat and potatoes of what they're talking about. Not necessarily what they're portraying in the show and through their acting or whatever, and not even really always through their dialogue, but the larger story that they're telling that the larger message there's all these micro messages you know throughout these shows but above that there is a like a meta message usually with the this show and each one of them is like you know a moral kind of theme or a moral question that not even just Americans should be asking themselves. It's like the universal questions. And, but it's all done, okay, it's all done through this kind of spirit of respect for my country that I love, America, and our history, you know, for better or for worse. It's like what we are, it's what we were. It's what we are and a part of what we're going to become. You know, you can't totally separate yourself from the past. Not all the time anyway, you know. And uh, I, I like that, you know. I like what? Tradition. I, I, I do. I mean, have you ever been... If you live in America and you're listening to this podcast, have you ever been to the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C.? Have you ever been there and watched the changing of the guard? You know, if you haven't, I highly recommend you at least, at least, you know, type it into YouTube or something and watch a video of it, you know. But if you have been there, 
you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, you know? And there's no way you can be in that kind of environment, even just as a spectator, no matter where you're from, and not feel that spirit that's there, like the American spirit, when you are at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and you're watching these guys, these military dudes that are doing what they do, and it is like clockwork, man. They are like down to the most minute detail, absolutely, you know, perfect, perfection, you know, in executing the rudiments of the changing of the guard. It's like down to the most finite detail. It is absolutely perfect, solemn, you know, serious, you know, and I got to tell you, that same kind of spirit, okay, it lives in a show like the, the, the writing and the dialogue and the themes, okay, of this show, The West Wing. And I would imagine that a lot of you have probably heard of the show. You might even think it's boring. You know, I got to tell you, I used to think so, too. I was bored out of my skull watching that show. It was like when I first watched it, it was so dumb. You know, it was like I was like, this is just boring, you know, but my wife made me watch it and kind of like, you know, what would be the word? She kind of like walked me through it. And just over time, you know, I I took the time to really pay attention and listen. And of course, like I said, after watching it a few thousand times, you know, you kind of, you know, an idiot like me anyway, can like absorb, you know, the larger themes. You know, it took me a long time, but I got there. And once that kind of started to unravel for me, You know, it really kind of started to affect the way I thought about politics and the way I thought about my country and the way I thought about my fellow countrymen and how I felt about other countries in the world. You know, there is so much territory that is covered on that show, The West Wing. I mean, they they hit so many things. You know, that are so fundamental and like important questions or important pieces of information you know, about this country that I live in, you know, and our history even and just the process, how things are done, you know, at that level of government. And yeah, there's, you know, goodies and baddies, you know, there's going to be idiots and there's going to be geniuses at that level, you know, it's the same pretty much with everything else. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's brilliant. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been around somebody who's brilliant? You know, I maybe have been a couple of times in my life. They're hard to find. You know, brilliant people are like treasures. You know, when you meet one, cling to them. You know, they, what they do and how they think and, you know, where they go. Like, pay attention. They're smart. You know, they're brilliant. And, you know, if you're like me, you know, not brilliant, uh, it's always great to 
pay attention to somebody who is. And, you know, like I said, even though the characters in this show are fictional, okay, some of them are written as brilliant. And then you just know, you just know that it, it has to be that way. You know, like if you get to that level, you know, if you're a person you can get to that level of government, you know, especially if you're not elected, you know, you worked your way up to the top of whatever it is you are, you know, they have a couple of characters on there like that. There's this character named Josh Lyman, you know, played by Bradley Whitford on the show. And oh my gosh, it's like, yeah, it's just a fake character. You know, it's not, it's not a real person. Okay. But it's a, it's a version of some, someone, or maybe a collection of people that really do exist. You know, it's not pulled out of thin air. And you know, there are some people that are like him. He's this character that, you know, like he has flaws, you know, he's younger, uh, but he's brilliant. And when it comes to what he does, he knows everything. You know, he knows exactly what he's doing. He doesn't always make the wisest decisions, but he knows the facts and he knows the law and he knows the rules and he knows everything. So whenever somebody in the room has a question about something or they don't know for sure on this show, you know, they can ask him and he knows exactly. You know, and I, I don't know about you. Okay. But there's something about that kind of personality that I really admire. You know, I really admire like people who are really good at what they do. You know, uh, I did a podcast, I think, called Par Excellence, you know, which was kind of hitting on this same kind of theme. Right. Where it's like it doesn't matter what field it is, you know, like if it's uh, painting, you know, fine art, uh, sculpting football player, a politician, a plumber. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what they do. Okay. It matters that they're the best at what they do. I think that is so cool. You know, when you meet somebody who's doing something and they're doing it at a very high level, and they're very good at it. It's awesome. You know, it's awesome to talk, at least for me anyway, it's awesome to talk to them about it. You know, and to pick their brain and like listen to what they say and get their opinions about it and all that kind of stuff. It's such a rare uh, opportunity, you know, when you when you meet somebody who's brilliant, when you meet somebody who might even be borderline genius. And I've met a few. I have. I can name a few. I won't name names, but I've met a few people that were like, damn, you know, that guy is like good or damn, like that chick knows exactly what she's doing. Watch what she does with her life or watch what he does with his life. Cause it's going to go somewhere. You know, it's got to go somewhere. And, uh, I just love that. I admire that. And that lives. Okay. That kind of thing lives inside this character, Josh Lyman on the West wing. It's like, he's like that, you know, and there's a handful of people like that, that they portray on this show that are like that. And I love it. I love it. It inspires me. 
You know, it makes me want to do well. And it's just a TV show. You know what I mean? I know that. I know that. But that's the great thing about art. You know, music and art and painting and all this stuff. The creative things, the humanities. You know? It's like... Ugh. Just a whole different kind of possibility, you know? Think about that, you know? If you if you decide, you, right now, the person listening to this podcast, right now, okay? If you decide to do something with your life, like to pick something up and get good at it, you know? And like, let's say you get pretty good at it and then, like, eventually you become great, you know, can you imagine how much fun that must be? Like to be what? Uh, like Tom Brady right now. You know, can you imagine how much fun it must be? How great it must be? I mean, sure, it's a burden in some ways too, but come on. You know, like everywhere you go, people are just talking about how legendary you are. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, that must be just so crazy. And you, can you imagine having to deal with that? Like in your brain, like in your mind, you, you know, having to deal with this concept or this notion of like people think you're brilliant, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I, I pity him really in some ways. It's got to suck in some ways because he's probably like, I'm just me. You know, people think I'm something else other than I am, but I don't know, dude, you know, what was it? Six or seven Super Bowls, you know, like in a league, in a sporting team sport, that's like the most difficult to play and succeed at. And you become what the greatest of all time, you know, it's like, and you're still young, kind of, you know, he's like only like in his forties, he's still got a lot of years left. You know, uh, oh, it's just so cool. Think about that. There's a lot of greats, you know, think about that. Like there's some of the people that are, you know, maybe some of them have passed on, but some that had lived in like my lifetime, you know, the people that were great at what they did, you know, like at the top of their game, like Tiger Woods, you know, a golfer, like he is so good, you know, like beyond legendary status you know just can you imagine what life is like to be him (laughs) would you want that life I guess that's an even bigger question like would you even want that life would I would I even want that life it's like nah I don't think so I don't think so like one of the things I've learned you know through doing what I'm doing okay and I've been doing this for a long time Okay, it took me a long time to, you know, get any kind of anything. Okay, and one of the things that I've learned from my very, very small status and stature in the music business um, is that when you deal with people that are strangers, people that you don't know, sometimes it can get pretty weird. Okay, it really can. And I can understand why some people really have a problem with that. And uh, I wouldn't say that I'm one of them. I don't have a problem with it, but it can be really weird and uncomfortable sometimes when you meet people that know who you are 
but you don't know who they are. You know, it's pretty weird. You know, unexpected sometimes. And a little creepy sometimes, depending on the person. But uh, I would not want that to be part of my life. You know, like I, I definitely don't want that to be part of my life. And it would probably be a little bit overwhelming to be somebody like Tom Brady. Like, I wonder to myself when I see somebody like him or anybody who has kind of, you know, risen to the top, the very top of their profession, whatever it is they chose. You know, I kind of wonder if it's like they have to learn how to deal with it. And how do you learn how to deal with it? I mean, I would love to ask, you know, somebody like Tom Brady that question. You know, how did you learn? How do you learn how to deal with fame on that level where it's like no matter where you go in the world, you can't go anywhere in the world without bodyguards and security and people knowing who you are and wanting your autograph and you have to have special circumstances everywhere you go. There is no real freedom from it. Can you imagine? That is how it is for somebody like Tom Brady or somebody like Luciano Pavarotti, you know, or uh, who else? Uh, Mick Jagger. You know, he can't go anywhere, right? without having like an entourage of people that go with him just because he's Mick Jagger. Isn't that crazy? It makes you kind of glad that your life isn't like that, you know, or maybe not. Maybe you're one of those people who would really want that. Me? Hell no, man. No way. No way. I'd run the other way. Uh, Can you imagine? But that's how it is. That's how it is for some people. And, you know, like I said, it harkens back to that whole West Wing thing again, you know, that idea of being what? Like a world leader, like uh, Martin Sheen's character, Jed Bartlett, you know, the president character on the West Wing. You know, it's you get some insights into that kind of thing, too, you know, on the show and the writing of the show. It's just so well done. OK. And, you know, I won't continue to talk about it all day long, but. Okay, so I've been talking about the West Wing for, what, you know, 40 minutes or something, okay? Um, And why am I talking about it? Why am I bringing it up today? And I really just wanted to say that this time around, you know, like I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, watching the West Wing now, with all the stuff that's been going on for the past couple of years... It really makes me kind of sad Uh, and shocked, actually, a little bit, too, at how much has changed, you know, over the past couple of years and how there's like this America that I remember uh, vividly because it wasn't that long ago that has so radically changed is like so radically different from what it used to be that it shocks me it's shocking to me how much things have changed and 
it makes me kind of hearken like for what like a, a return of some kind back to the sanity of what American politics used to be, which is funny to say now because back in the day, it seemed like there was a whole lot of crazy going on in American politics. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it, it seems, it seemed back in, you know, just a few years ago, like it, there was a lot of crazy going on. And wow, it pales in comparison to what we're seeing now, you know. But I do kind of have this hope and this kind of sense, too, that there are a lot of people who think and feel kind of the same way that I do, you know, that they're mourning the loss of the America that they used to know. And uh, we've gone in the wrong direction. It took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. You know, as Bugs Bunny used to say, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah. I wonder what the future holds. I wonder what's coming. I wonder what kind of stuff will happen. You know, not sure. I'm watching everything with kind of like a little bit of suspicion and uh, kind of like a, a tempered kind of cynicism. You know, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be right. But one thing is for sure. Sometimes it feels like I'm mourning the loss of a friend. You know, when I think about what I'm seeing now. The disappointment that comes along with all this stuff. All the things that people say and do politics, things that are done to people, you know, lives that are ruined and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I just hope at some point that it stops this whole canceling thing and all that stuff. I hope that, you know, somebody will be the first one to say, you know what? I'm not going to hit the cancel button on somebody that said something I didn't like, you know, it's like, like Bill Maher said just a couple days ago, I can't even believe I'm quoting Bill Maher, the man I used to hate, um, the voice of the moderate Democrat now, you know, the voice of moderation and sanity, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, the answer to free speech is not less speech. The answer is more speech, you know, and not just free speech, but free thought, you know, and hopefully, maybe, okay, we'll get back somehow in American politics to some semblance of respect for each other, you know, like respect for different political points of view. Again, it was so much better that way. You know, having had it both ways now, yeah, I think I would much rather have a nation of people that can respectfully disagree as opposed to violently disagree or something, you know? 
And uh, I'm holding out for those truckers up there in Ottawa, Canada, that they'll be able to remain peaceful. You know, they won't get tricked somehow into violence or something like that. And uh, they won't go too far. You know, they'll stay the course and, you know, let their redress of grievances be heard. That's the point. That's the point. So, if you are listening to this still, this podcast, you're still with me, uh, do me a favor, you know, check out that West Wing show that I was telling you about that you may or may not be familiar with and just really kind of, you know, sit down with it and kind of like really try to take in the sentiment and the message from each episode. I mean, it's not just one thing. It's like there's so many layers. There's so much stuff happening in every episode on so many levels. Seriously, do me a favor and check it out. Do yourself a favor and check it out. And so, folks, I'm going to leave it there for today. Um, You know, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. Okay, happy innovators. Want to hear some music today? I figured kind of like sticking with that whole Thumper Incorporated theme, I'd share another Thumper Incorporated song with you today. Um, It's a song called Jawbreaker that we had written for our second release, you know, on Smogvale Records. And uh, it was unfortunately... (laughs) uh, the record that we broke up while recording. <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, you know, for one for one reason or another, uh, you know, we started to hit some turbulence uh, inside the band at the time we were recording this record and writing these songs, which for the most part kind of like suck. <laughs> it really is not too much to be proud of you know it's really more just kind of like uh what for posterity's sake you know i'll share it with you uh it's available on Bandcamp, actually and uh the interesting story behind uh the recordings that you'll find there under the thumper incorporated thing on Bandcamp is that uh we started to record this record at a studio called Modern Recording Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, it was a one-inch tape recording situation. So, um, you know, it was kind of like in my experience with recording, I started out with ADAT, which was like a digital format, you know, of recording. That's the original Thumper recording that you heard that was all recorded on a format called ADAT, okay, A-D-A-T, I believe it was. And um, then 
we know we had graduated up to like quarter inch tape you know and then with this thumper recording we went to one inch tape and then eventually with the other bands that I were I was in towards the later part of my uh, live drumming career um, I had graduated up to two inch tape okay which was like a really big deal to me okay um, but this recording you're about to hear was recorded on one inch tape and it still came out pretty good you know it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination but um, while we were recording this record on one inch tape at Modern Recording Studios um, we broke up as a band and for whatever reason you know I honestly I don't remember exactly what happened I don't uh, I'm kind of surprised at myself um, that what happened was we wound up just abandoning these recordings and we never went back to the studio like I don't I don't even really know what happened I can't believe I would do that because I was kind of in charge I think of the band a little bit and like what was going on and uh, at least that's how it, the cookie crumbled most of the time you know I was usually the guy who was making the phone calls and you know scheduling things you know that's what I did and um, so we had forgotten really almost entirely about this recording okay that we had done we did uh, I think like five songs maybe and uh, so like all these years go by right this was probably back like in 1991 or 92 around the time that I was getting started with pipe choir um, uh, so we abandoned these tapes we abandoned these recordings and all these years go by right and then like just on a whim, maybe a couple years ago or a few years ago now, I typed in Thumper Incorporated. Like I do that once in a while, I'll just Google it and see what comes up. And usually I would get that seven inch that we released, you know, that would show up somewhere or something. But somebody from Modern Recording Studios, I guess, had found these master tapes of our recording. And I'm not even really sure what happened, like if the studio was being sold or if it was being closed down and somebody was going through the tapes they had and they found this Thumper Incorporated session or these sessions that we were doing and um, they decided to mix them down, okay, a rough mix and then release them on Bandcamp. I still don't know who did it, okay, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, and that's not really important, really. I guess the the funny thing or the important thing is that I was able to listen to them again. Like, I hadn't listened to these songs. I hadn't heard them in, like, 25 years. Something crazy like that. So what you're going to hear today is one of the songs from that session. One of the five. Okay, it's a song called Jawbreaker. And we had written it kind of like as a show opener. That's like what we were going to be opening our shows with or what we had been opening our shows with. 
And so we decided to record it, and it's absolutely horrible. I think it has some good points, some good parts, some good ideas, but overall, it's really, at least in my opinion now, it's kind of laughable. Maybe you'll think otherwise. I don't know. Everybody's different, but here you go. From, what, 1992 or 93, maybe? This is Thumper Incorporated, me playing drums, um, uh, and it's a song called Jawbreaker. And tell me what you think in the comments, maybe. Um, <laughs> like I said, it's nothing spectacular, but, you know, it'll give you a little bit of a snapshot of what I was doing with my time <laughs> back in 1993 or 92 or something. One of those years, I'm not sure. So here we go. Thumper Incorporated Jawbreaker. Check it out. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> 